If you've ever been at home and wondered, Josh and Chuck, is it really worth going to see them perform live? The answer is the resounding yes. Yes. And if you live in Vancouver, B.C. or anywhere near there, come on out to the Chan Center on Sunday, March 29th to see us and find out for yourself. And then the next night, if you live around Portland, Oregon, you can go to the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall and we'll be there ready to go on Monday, March 30th. That's right. You can get all ticket information at SYSKLive.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there, and there's Jerry. Jerry's back, everybody. That's right. And all the listeners said, what happened to Josh T? (laughs) What are we doing? Uh, Did we decide? Yeah, we're going to do birthmarks. Okay, great. Check the title, Chuck. (laughs) Well, I mean, I have two things in front of me. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm good. You got any birthmarks? I do. What you got? Um, I've got something under my right armpit. You're like, it looks like Richard Nixon. (laughs) (laughs) Close. It looks like Spiro Agnew. (laughs) Do you remember when Mad Magazine used to make fun of Spiro Agnew? And you're like, I have no idea who that is. I think it was the name, maybe. No, it was because, like... They hated his politics. Yeah, well, that too. But then there was a Simpsons where Milhouse is like, they're making fun of Spiro Agnew again. He must work there or something. And I remember <laughs> specifically thinking that he oh, must Oh, he referenced work there. Mad Magazine? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So you, you've got a under-your-armpit birthmark? Uh, yeah, how about you? I don't think I do, actually. What I have a lot of now, because I'm an old man speeding toward death, mm-hmm are uh, skin tags. Oh, yeah. Like Those are not birthmarks. Around the neck and armpit. Uh, that's where they like tend to gather. That's just your skin, you know, really going at it. <laughs> I used to have them clipped, and I did uh, I did that for a while, but it's been a while. Mm-hmm. But now I went in recently. It was so annoying. It was one of these... Our medical system is just broken. Mm-hmm. It was one of those reminders because I went in to get it taken care of like I usually do, and I got in there, and the guy was like, oh, well, we don't do this now unless you make... Uh, another kind of appointment. I was like, well, can I just make this that since I'm here mm-hmm. sitting in your office? Right. He's like, no, no, no. Those take much longer. These are just 10-minute appointments, and that, that'll take like an hour. And some of them have their own vascular system, so they need to be cauterized. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. So I, I'm just leaving? And he was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just He's like, leaving. if you want to make that other appointment – and then they refunded the money for that appointment, which oh, was nice. Oh, there you nice. go. That was nice. The wow. copay. What but then said, people. make the longer appointment if you want to come back. Huh. So which are I'm you getting, going to? Yeah. You know, I mean, they're not like medically dangerous or anything, mm-hmm. but they're rather unsightly. I, it's fine. When they get long and big. Well, long, sure. I mean, how long are we talking? Like, I mean, some of the ones are like, you know, quarter inch. So... Okay, I was just about to say how, how big that was. Let me see if I can figure it out in uh, metric. It's a few centimeters, I think, is what you just did. Yeah, I want to get them uh, clipped again. So I'm going to make that longer appointment. All and right. I think it will be painful. Uh, is it painful? I've never had one clipped. The regular clipping, the small ones aren't a big deal because they just hit it with a little quick shot mm-hmm. and then clip it, and it's no big deal. But What kind of a shot? Like a you know, needle, like a little numbing Numbing thing. Okay, I gotcha. Like with a needle, like and a, lidocaine. Whatever. I don't know. They I'm don't. Not, they don't spray it with the the freezy stuff. No, you're thinking of the stuff for athlete's foot. <laughs> this is like a shot lidocaine. 
But anyway, the ones that are big that require cauterizing, I'm sure that doesn't feel great, even if they've numbed it up. You just get the acetylene torch out. And I imagine I'll have to shave my armpits because if you're torching something near armpit hair. <laughs> Plus you just want to look good. Maybe. I've never shaved my pits. Um, Might start that. I used to, Why not? I'll bet that's itchy, though. Yeah, maybe. Anytime you shave something and it starts to grow out, it's itchy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So... Um, <laughs> I used to get warts, actually, when I was a kid. Oh, yeah? And I remember going into the dermatologist, and they'd go into the freezer, put on these huge rubber gloves, and pull out, like, this thermos of, uh, I want to say nitroglycerin. That's not it. No. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the cold stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And it would freeze my wart basically right off right there. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of sting for a second, and that was it. I never really had warts. Believe me, buddy, you lucked out because if you're a little kid in grade school and you have like, it wasn't like, I wasn't coated with them, but you know, like I'd get one like here between my forefinger and my thumb or I had one on my elbow or something like that. Just ammo for jerks. Zero in on that stuff. Uh And you're the, you're the little weird kid who was already the fat kid (laughs) now with warts, new and improved. Uh, I had freckles. A lot mm-hmm. more than I do now because freckles tend to fade right. as you get older. And freckles are, I guess, a kind of – well, they're not a kind of birthmark no. because you're not born with freckles. But I did look into it. Freckles are just an, an abundance of melanin right? like collected together. Well, that's basically what a mole is, which is a type of birthmark if you're born with it. That's right. So uh, I love freckles, though. Freckles I think freckles are, great. are super cute. Freckles are great. Moles are great. Birthmarks, especially interesting ones, are great. Warts are great. That's why the term warts and all came about. It's true. Because that's how you should love. It is true, Chuck. Man, quit making fun of people, kids. Well, that's the thing. They're so mean. Birthmarks have been around since the dawn of humanity, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Um, and people have probably been ostracized because of their birthmarks since the dawn of humanity. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, for a very long time, people were ostracized for their birthmarks because of some really stupid ideas, like that it meant you were a witch. Right. Or it meant you were touched by Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All sorts of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, it got a little more innocuous. But even still today, there are parts of the world where you can find people who are ostracized because of their birthmarks. And then even in the developed world, the Western world, which is rational and based more on science, you can still find yourself, you know, at the receiving end of being ostracized, maybe not because you're a witch, but just because you have a birthmark or you look different. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I've ho- seen parents react to it if their baby has like a strawberry mark on their head. Yes. Like that, I've seen them feel the need to say like, oh, you know, this you know, will go away or something like that. I was reading this birthmark support group from Great Britain, and they were saying this one mom had cards printed up explaining what her child's birthmark was because sometimes she just couldn't, she mm-hmm. just didn't have it together enough to to have a conversation with the stranger who'd walked up and been like, what's up with your kid's face? And rather than belt them, she would just give them a card and then just probably go home and weep or something like that. Right. Knowing not for herself, but the life that her kid was going to have to face, not because her kid has a birthmark, but because the rest of the world are schmucks. Yes. That's the that's the long and short of it. That's right. All right, Children kid. are mean. I we bet managed a kid. to find a soapbox even in the birthmarks <laughs> episode. I bet a kid... Probably a collection of kids could still make you cry. 
if they start I, if I they started it on. I just start <laughs> kicking, throwing elbows. I just hold my arms out and start twirling around really fast. And whatever got hit, got hit. People would be like, "Is Josh fighting a bunch of children?" And be like, "Yeah, they made fun of him." <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, it. "I shoved one in a grocery store once." <laughs> oh man, I'll never forget that lady. So let's talk birthmarks, Chuck. It turns out there's a lot to know. Yeah, they're um, usually not a big deal. They aren't painful. They're usually harmless. A lot of times they go away. Uh, we're going to detail the ones that do and that don't go away and the ones that are of more concern. Uh-huh. But generally speaking, uh, science doesn't really know why they come about to begin with. Uh, but they are something that doctors will sometimes want to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. And that's the intro. <laughs> <laughs> that's intro number seven. Yeah, there's a couple of big categories, uh, vascular and pigmented. And let's talk about some of these. Vascular are usually reddish because they have to do with blood vessels. Yeah, I think reddish is a, a very common, mm-hmm. when you think birthmarks, you think reddish typically. I think brownish. Brownish too. Um, apparently, they can come in a whole rainbow of colors, blue, brown, black, pink, yeah. White, although I take issue with that, purplish or tan. And I mm. take issue with white because I think white is like a reverse birthmark, although technically it would still count as a birthmark. So the whole rest of your body is a birthmark and that one little spot <laughs> is, right. is okay? That's right. Um, birthmarks tend to be an aggregation of either pigment or blood, as we'll see. Yeah. And white is like uh, an area where pigment is absent. Mm-hmm. So I guess it still counts as a birthmark, but it's not really a birthmark if you go into a dermatologist's office. Right. They'll be like, no, oh, you got this all wrong. Uh, and like we said, the skin tags and freckles and things like that, they come later in life, although freckles can start out very early, but it's still not a birthmark because you're not born with that mark. Yeah, and even as we'll see, some types of moles don't technically qualify as birthmarks, even yeah. though they typically fall under the banner of birthmarks. You have to be born with something for it to count as a birthmark. That's right. So Although that's uh, not even fully true, as we'll see. Or this is just full of lies. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody who studies birthmarks needs to get their stuff together. So the macular, uh, um, they're called flat sometimes, macular stains. And we're in the vascular category, yes, right? right. This is the non-pigmented. These are usually caused by blood and large blood vessels. Mm-hmm. Uh, these have some cute names that go along with them. Love them. Uh, an- uh, angel kisses. Great. Uh, I think some of these can be because of where they're found, although I've heard people cross-referencing. Like, I think an angel kiss is usually on the forehead. Oh, really? But not always. Okay. A stork bite is usually on the back of the neck. Oh, that makes sense. But I've also, when you Google stork bite, there are some like right on the tip of the nose, and people call them that. I took it to me more like um, that those those names were um, derived from the age that they're, like kids who are born with this, mm-hmm. and then it tends to go away at an early age. Oh, that's what it's associated with. You know, like the stork brings the baby. And the angels. Well, everybody, <laughs> angels love babies. What about the salmon patch? I don't understand it at all. <laughs> Uh, they are usually above the neck. Um, they usually, or a lot of times, they'll disappear and and fade away by the time they're two, two three years old. Mm-hmm. But not always. Sometimes they'll last. Yeah, but for the most part, if you have a macular, flat, vascular birthmark on your kid, mm-hmm. th- they're probably going to outgrow it. There's just really no other way to put it. They outgrow that birthmark eventually. That's right. 
most often. Port wine stains are a whole different ballgame. Yes. They set, they look like kind of what they sound like. They're uh, usually kind of a purplish red mm-hmm. where it looks like, uh, well, port or wine has been spilled. I would know nothing about what a wine spill looks like. Sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> because you never, ever spill all your wine. It all makes it into your mouth. That's right. I've seen it. So port wine stain, I say that it's like a whole different kettle of fish. Um it, it's in the same uh, category as um, macular because mm-hmm. they're vascular. It's like a, an aggregation of overdeveloped blood vessels right. kind of close to the skin. But they seem to come from like a whole different um, uh, place. A whole There's a whole different reason. And in yeah. fact, we should say this, Chuck, because this is really important. If you go up to a dermatologist or uh, uh, anybody mm-hmm. – who would know what they're talking about, and you say, hey, where do birthmarks come from? What causes birthmarks? They would say, we actually don't know. Yeah. Um, the closest that they've come is with port wine stains, from what I can tell. They figured out that there's a gene um, where the this molecular switch that's supposed to go on and off mm-hmm. is locked in the on position, and that they think that this is what causes port wine stains. And the reason that they found it is because about 6% of kids who are born with the Port Weinstein birthmark develop something called Sturge-Weber syndrome, which is a neurological condition. Oh, interesting. And it's if you have a Port Weinstein birthmark, it does not mean you have Mm Sturge-Weber, but if you have Sturge-Weber, you have a Port Wine birthmark. Gotcha. 6% of um, Port Wine birthmarks um, cases have Sturge-Weber. It's actually a symptom. But 100% of people with that condition have right. the port wine stain. Yeah, and so the, in investigating the syndrome and the link between it and the port wine stain uh, birthmark, they found this gene that they think is the culprit. All right. Well, they never go away. Uh, a lot of times they'll get darker as you become older. Uh, and these are not a big deal health-wise either unless it's something near your eyes mm-hmm. that can affect your vision, and then they might yeah. want to take a look at it. I also saw that in some cases they can start to get lumpy and actually become disfiguring as you age too. I did see those And they can also, images. once they lump, they can scar mm-hmm. too. So um, a lot of people seek treatment for port wine stain birthmarks, as we'll see. Yeah, strawberry marks is what I referenced at the beginning. You might see these on little BBs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are hemangiomas. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And these, most of the times, um, I saw even less than 30%, but it says here 30% mm-hmm. are visible at birth. Uh, most of the times, though, they'll develop between four and six weeks. Right. And I think by the time you hit six months, if you're going to have one, it will be visible by that point. Right. You won't develop one of these at like the one year mark. No, but again, that's there's that one there's that loophole where it's like you, you it still counts as a birthmark even though you weren't technically born with it. Drives me up the wall. Right, and these are um, a little more reddish, and you've probably seen these, like I said, on babies before because they're you know they're pretty common. Um, they will they have a, they're raised off the skin. That's mm-hmm. kind of one of the differentiators is they're not flat. Right. So, um, like hemangiome, uh, uh, hemangi, uh, I've said it like five <laughs> times in my head. Hemangiomas? 50 times probably. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I can't say it out loud. Hemangiomas, um, macular and port wine stains, like we said, these are all overdeveloped 
blood vessels, clusters of blood vessels. That's they're, right. They're from blood vessels. Which That's is like why, the sixth time we said that. Which is why they have that, <laughs> that reddish pigment is because the the blood is close enough to the skin and it's clustered together. It's kind of almost pooled right there, right? That's right. But it's not like a, a bruise or anything like that. It's The right. blood hasn't escaped the vessel. There's just a lot of vessels or big vessels all clumped together near the skin. What's interesting about hemangiomas, I, I did it, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Hemangiomas. Nice work. Thanks. Um, hemangiomas. Oh, man, did I miss it twice? <laughs> I think there's an N in there that... Is being forgotten. <laughs> the, the, what's interesting about what you just mentioned <laughs> is that in some cases they can extend down into the body, mm-hmm. and the further they extend down, they won't be reddish; they'll be bluish. Yeah, and they can even be on the organs. Uh, it's pretty rare, but it happens. It is, and they can be um, threatening on the organs. Yeah. You don't want to have a cluster of blood vessels on your organs. But back to the blue part. So the reason that they look blue is because, as everybody knows, um, blood on its way back to the lungs to be oxygenated Mm -hmm. is blue. That's right. That's not true. (laughs) I'm sorry to set you up like that. I thought it was true up until this morning. That's why your veins are blue. It's not. And as soon as you get cut and it hits that sweet, sweet oxygen, it just transforms into red. That's what you thought, right? (laughs) That's not what I thought as an adult, but that's what I thought as a small child. That's what I thought until (laughs) this morning. No yeah. Come on, you knew that. No. Really? Yes. You thought blood was blue? Yes. I thought deoxygenated blood was blue. Wow. Well, okay, well, do you understand why it, it appears blue? Well, I mean, no, but I just knew that that was a like a playground uh, falsehood. Well, I was too because busy. Because veins are blue. Thinking about how many fighting warts off I was, <laughs> was covered with to, to learn this. You're like, I'm going to draw some sweet blue blood out of that jerk. (laughs) Right. (laughs) With my fists. The reason it's blue is because the deeper it is, the less blue light is able to penetrate. So the less that can be absorbed. And so the light that's reflected tends to be blue more than, say, like red, which penetrates deeper and is absorbed. That has to do with blue foods, too, which is a bit for the next episode. Thank you. Just put a pin in that. Yeah. Uh, these strawberry marks, though, back to those, they uh, will disappear usually by the time a, a kid is, like, into double digits. Um, if they're large, sometimes you might see a scar. Uh, these are around the head and neck as well and are uh, most commonly found on Caucasian girls. Right. But they're not – they don't have a real impact on development either. Um, but if they are really big and puffy – Again, they could and around the eyes or ears, they could interfere with hearing and vision and stuff like that. Right, yeah. And if you if they're on the on your internal organs, it's a problem. Yes. Too. So I think we should take a break because astoundingly we're twenty minutes in and we have not taken a break. Wow. Um, so we'll be back to birthmarks right after this. Okay, to recap, remember, vascular blood birthmarks mm-hmm. are reddish because of blood vessels. Precisely. <laughs> if anyone misses that question on the quiz tomorrow, <laughs> you're toast. It's not our fault. So the other kind of birthmarks are pigmented birthmarks. Nothing to do with blood vessels. Well, I don't know. 
There could be a blood vessel or two involved, but no, not really. No, this is because like uh, Freckles, like I was talking about, is just a collection of melanin mm-hmm. that's brought out by sun exposure. Yeah, and you have uh, melanocytes, melanin cells, melatonin cells, or melanin, one of the two, all over your body. It gives you like the color to your skin. Some people have more, some people have less, but right. everybody has them. But like you were saying, when they kind of congregate together, that's when they form these pigmented spots that we know as birthmarks. Right. We are uh, in our house. Uh, my daughter's at the age now where she has started to notice skin color. Oh, yeah? Which is something that, you you know, every parent has to deal with at some point. Sure. And uh, that's how it was recommended to us to talk about it with scientifically. Mm-hmm. Being like, hey, everyone's the same. We've got different skin tones because of science. Some people have more melanin than other people. Is that why you had me over to dinner and started asking me about that? <laughs> yeah. You just wound me up and knew I'd go, huh? That's right. So, um, but I mean, that is tricky stuff for parents because what you're really talking about is the first talks of race. Right. You know? Yeah. And you just, you, you have to do it in such a way that diffuses it almost. Where it's just like, no, everyone's the same. Right. Some people are lighter skinned. Some people are darker skinned. Yeah. Both of her best friends, though, are multiracial, which helps. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because we can say, you know, your friend blank. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say names. Jerry blank. <laughs> <laughs> she has two friends. They're both named blank. <laughs> Weird. Um, we can just say, you know, her skin is a little uh, darker than yours. Right. Because, uh, you know, when you see her parents and try to explain all that, and kids are like, oh, okay. Yeah. How does this matter? What does this have to do with Big Bird? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I please get back to Why is to Big it? Bird yellow? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, but these have some cute names, too, and they're almost, um, well, that's not true. I was going to say they aren't, they're named uh, because of what they look like, but really just the one is. Well, yeah, there's really just two types of pigmented birthmarks or broad categories of it. Yes, the very Parisian Café Latte. Café au lait. Oh, Café au lait. Sorry, mm-hmm. I misread that. It's all right. A latte's different. This has nothing to do with vascular um, aggregations of blood vessels. No. And do you get confused on coffee orders, or do you know all that stuff? I, I'm pretty pretty good with it. I don't know what any of them are. Like anytime someone— It's all just a d- differing amounts of milk, steamed milk. Yeah, basically. but like when I hear like a macchiato or an Americano— mm-hmm. Americano I don't even is know what these things are. A, a shot of espresso or multiple shots yeah. of espresso with ultra hot water. Right. That's an Americano. I think that's what uh, our friend uh, Chad Crowley drinks. I it's it's just a really 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 hot black coffee. Okay. That's all. Interesting. Uh, macchiato, you got me. Yeah, I don't know. Like cappuccino, there's a lot. There's like more foam than milk. Latte is more, more milk than, than foam. Yeah, yeah. I know it's, those two. It's all, it's all just milk or foam or coffee. What's a cafe au lait? Cafe au lait is simply coffee with milk. That's it. Really? That's what. That's literally what it means in French. Is that like the, uh, what's it called in uh, in Spanish? Cafe con leche. Con, okay, that's the same thing then? Coffee with milk. Okay. I am a dummy. I haven't been drinking it's not, coffee that It's not that. Long. that <laughs> it's just, it's not that. As you can see, I'm still drinking my uh, cafe latte from this morning. Those are great, aren't they? And it's still hot thanks to, and I'll go ahead and plug it, the uh, Zoji Rushi. Mm-hmm. And I've plugged this on our page before. Yeah. Like if you like your coffee hot all day, mm-hmm. get one of these little thermoses. This thing keeps the thing hot for 10 hours. It really does. Yeah. So much so, I have the same one. Yumi has a little pink one. It's cute. 
when I pour coffee in, I have to like pour the coffee into a mug to let it cool off. Right. And have to put it in there because you won't be able to drink it. No, like maybe the next day you could. <laughs> right. It keeps it that hot for sure. <laughs> we need to get them as a sponsor, man. They also make out of this world rice cookers too. Uh, yeah, I've got. Well, no, I'm not sure if that's the one I have or another one. I or think Tiger. It, those are the two best ones, in my opinion. I can't remember. I'll have to look. But all I know is the one I have is very forgiving. Yeah. You can be pretty off with your measurements, and it still makes perfect rice. <laughs> you can use, like, buttermilk, and somehow it still comes out just great. <laughs> oh, man. Buttermilk? Buttermilk rice? rice? That could be all right. Mm. Well, here's a little tip for you. You make sushi rice? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, usually you just do a one-to-one rice-to-water ratio. Yeah. Then go in and just put, like, half, like a teaspoon half teaspoon even, depending on how tangy you want to be, of rice vinegar. Oh, well, sure. Uh, I, I usually <laughs> add that after. <laughs> no, no, you want to put it, it in. together. Yeah. So you want to cook it with it? Yes. Okay. I used to make my own sushi rolls, and then I just got did to you? the point where I was like. It's not worth it? Yeah, it's just a lot easier to get sushi. Where did you get your uh, your seafood? Uh, your sashimi, sorry. I would get that at um, the DeKalb Farmer's Market. Mm-hmm. I would get the tuna there. Mm-hmm. And the crab sticks, which that's easy. You can get yeah. that at Kroger's. Sure. Uh, and the seaweed there. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a Japanese market nearby where I would get the eel nice. to uh, bake in the oven. Nice. But that's kind of as, you know, you could do spicy tuna, tuna, right. the eel, and crab stick. Yeah. California rolls. I really want some sushi right now. I, eat, I mean, we both eat a lot of sushi. Yeah. It's good. Okay, so Cafe Ole birthmarks. <laughs> So that is the cafe au lait. They are the color of a cafe au lait, mm-hmm. kind of a light brown. Which means coffee with milk. Yep. They're, and this is to me was, when I think birthmark, I think of these because it's just a little brown spot anywhere on the body. Yeah. And it, it, that's, I think one of the things we didn't say is with some of the birthmarks, there is kind of specific places that they'll appear. Yeah. Um, or they're tied to specific places usually. But with Cafe Olay birthmarks in particular, they're just, yep. they got no rules. Forehead, butt cheek. Wherever. Wherever. Um, and they apparently don't, there's nothing, there's no problem with them. But very much like the um, the uh, port wine mm-hmm. stain birthmark, the Cafe Olay spots are tied to a neurological, actually a nerve condition. Where if you have six or more of these kinds of cafe au lait birthmarks, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're larger than like a dime in, a, in an older kid, mm-hmm. uh, you want to go to see a doctor. Yeah. Because that could mean that you have something called neurofibromatosis. I said that a million times in my head too. You got to start saying things out loud. Also known as NF1. Yeah, it's easier. But um, NF1 is not even necessarily it could it could be asymptomatic. Like if you if you're like oh my gosh I've got six or more cafe au lait birthmarks on me mm-hmm. maybe I have neurofibromatosis. Um, that that's it's not like a death sentence or anything like that. It's just no. go see a doctor. Right. Uh, the Mongolian spots are these look like bruises to me. Uh, they can if if you don't know what you're looking at it can be alarming. Because you see these pictures of babies that look mm-hmm. like they're heavily bruised, mm-hmm. kind of at the lower back, upper buttocks area. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is not bruising. Uh, they're bluish gray, though. And like I said, usually on the lower back, I think um, African Americans, African, Asian, and Hispanic uh, kids 
usually with darker skin have more of more of them or more more commonly have them. And these are the ones that fade out uh, by the time they're like, you know, six or seven usually. Yeah. And they're usually a bluish green because they're clusters of pigment cells together deep under the skin. Mm-hmm. And so you've got that same thing going on with, like you have with the um, hemangiomas. Nice. I got it. This you time. got it. Uh, there's a good old-fashioned mole. Uh, this is a pigmented birthmark. Um, multiple of them are uh, nevi, brown nevi, N-E-V-I, because a nevis is a single mole. Are any of these, like, band names? I don't think so, but very fortuitous mentioning of that okay. because of listener mail later. All right. Uh, it is Latin for spot, and there are three categories. Mole is. Yes. Okay. Uh, no, nevi. I think mole is Latin for spot. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was just about to make fun of you, too. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, mole sounds real Latin. <laughs> Wart boy. Oh. <laughs> so there are three categories of moles, uh, congenital, acquired, and atypical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the congenital, about 1% of babies are born with these, uh, and these are kind of all over the map as far as color and size. Some of them are hairy. Some of them are not hairy. I saw that basically every congenital mole... Uh, has a little hair, a hair of some sort. Okay, it can be very, very fine. It can be thick. It can be coarse. It can be very dark. Yeah. Um, usually they're very dark because they're growing out of pigment cells that are like just pigment away. That's right. Um, and I learned that on the Dollar Shave Club blog. Oh. Um, and they say also to just kind of pluck because shaving. If you're a man, like say you have one on your face or whatever, mm-hmm. it can nick very, very frequently. Yeah. Well, I've got some of the skin tags that. Obviously, I don't shave, so it's not a problem now. But Well, maybe that's why you have skin tags. If you shave, you just shave them off all the time, trim them down. <laughs> I don't think that's why. No? No, the skin tags come from, like, clothing, uh, rubbing against the skin. That's I've why gotcha. they're around the neckline a lot of times uh, or sometimes around the waistline. Mm. So, you know. But, the, again, those aren't birthmarks. Okay. Those are old man marks. I got gotcha. you. Uh, acquired moles, uh, they come around later in life as well. Uh, and this is not the same as a skin tag still. It is still a mole, and a lot of doctors think that this is from sun damage. Yes, but not necessarily cancerous. Right. Uh, which leads us into the third type of mole, atypical moles. Mm-hmm. These aren't necessarily cancerous either, but they're the kind you definitely want to keep an eye on. They're... Um, They'll be multiple colors Mm -hmm. or have some sort of color gradient in them. Their shape will be um, just kind of amorphous. Yeah, irregular. Um, Yeah. Uh, They'll be um, just kind of, you'll be like, that don't look quite right. That's that kind of mole. And those are the kind that you definitely want to have a doctor check out. Um, Because a lot of people don't know this, but um, uh, an atypical mole is associated with melanoma, mm-hmm. and melanoma is no joke. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like, melanoma's nothing. Yeah. You just go, you know, get it removed at the doctor. No, melanoma can spread yeah. like lightning through your body, and it, it can be a real problem. It's a very serious thing to, to keep up with. Yeah, I've got a pretty sad situation with a family member with melanoma. Yeah. That um, thing, the treatment is going really well, but it is uh, it has definitely opened my eyes to the fact that it's no joke. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, Yumi opened my eyes. She had somebody that she lost uh, mm-hmm. to, to melanoma. Yeah, man, it happens. She thought the same thing, like, yeah. oh, melanoma. And, and nope, that's not at all how it is, which is really weird because somebody's dropping the ball mm-hmm. 
because most people just think it's nothing. Yeah, on messaging. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with myself, apparently. It's interesting that different kinds of cancer have better or worse PR. Yeah, great you know? product, terrible marketing, right? Yeah. It's kind of what we're dealing with here. But I know that um, uh, prostate cancer has often lagged behind breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Like breast cancer does a bang-up job mm-hmm. of, of marketing and press and PR and awareness. So um, these, like you said, the doctors will want to monitor these over time. I, what I couldn't figure out was what is the uh, quote-unquote beauty mark? Is that an acquired mole? I think a beauty mark is any kind of mole. This that just happens to be in like, that perfect place. I'm I'm living with this and and I'm loving every minute of it. It's so interesting how that has become a thing. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out where it went back to. Yeah, obviously Marilyn Monroe like really kind of popularized right. that. Right, she but had one, didn't she? It, I think it predated her. Like Liz Taylor is at least contemporary, if not predated. Did she have one? Yeah, okay. she's very famous for one. And then like even still today, Cindy Crawford, ScarJo, sure. Um, who else? Oh, Natalie Portman apparently has them like on her her face. Interesting. I went over this list of celebrity. I was like celebrity birthmarks. Mm-hmm. The only one that comes up though is moles. And Spear Wagner. Could not. <laughs> I couldn't find any like f- well known celebrities with birthmarks. Right. Like birthmarks, birthmarks, like yeah. facial birthmarks. Yeah. You just. I. I couldn't think of one either. I couldn't find any. Well, that's probably because of the prejudice against them. I would guess so. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. Um, it reminded me, though, Chuck, didn't one of the Fat Albert gang have a birthmark on his face? Um, I don't know. Was he the guy that had the pulled his uh, toboggan cap over his face? No, I think that was Mushmouth. Because you never see his face at all. Well, then how would you know if he had a birthmark? I don't know. I just thought that might have been a like a backstory or something. I think this just went off the rails enough for a, um, a message break, don't you? Um, sure. Yeah, we'll be back right after this, and we'll talk about uh, treatment and what I think is a pretty interesting thing, superstitions throughout history about birthmarks. Agreed. Right. So, like we said about most of these birthmarks, usually medical treatment is not necessary, but some are monitored over time. Mm-hmm. And what doctors will do, obviously, is uh, exam, uh, examine them, uh, take some pictures, and then just sort of follow that over time, that same routine to see if they're uh, changing and to see if they're getting bigger or yeah. changing shape or anything unusual. That's a wait and see. Yes, exactly. Um if you have hemangiomas, they will um, frequently use, like a port wine stain is something that a lot of people go seek treatment for because mm-hmm. it's often on the face, the neck, the right. head. Um, and it actually responds pretty well to a laser treatment, something called a pulsed dye laser. Is this like the t- same tattoo uh, treatment or no? Probably. Because that's pretty painful, right? Oh, yes. Like I can't imagine because it says children a lot of times can be treated with this laser treatment, but man... I know it's sad. It feels a lot like um, having like a hot bacon grease splashing on your skin. That's what it, if uh, getting a laser 
her tattoo removed with the laser. But without like, the knowledge that, like, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to be eating some sweet bacon. <laughs> more like I, if the only silver lining to it is that a, a pig didn't die right. for you to, to be in that situation. You know what I mean? Right. Or uh, I won't have whatever tattoo I obviously don't want on my body anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the reward there. Right. So if that is the case, then if it is the same feeling as that, then yeah, I feel bad for little kids who get that. But that's the best time to start this treatment mm-hmm. is when the child is young. Because again, what you're, what you're doing is you're using a pulse dye laser, which uses a certain uh, frequency or spectrum wavelength of light that is targeted so that that birthmark will absorb that light. The mm-hmm. surrounding skin is a different pigment, so it won't absorb that light like the birthmark will. And that energy, that light energy, is translated into heat energy in mm-hmm. the birthmark, and poof, there go the cells or the blood vessels that make up the cells. And after enough treatments, you've hopefully broken up the hemangioma or mm-hmm. the port wine stain, um, and it, it, like the birthmark will go away. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? That was me. I think the... No, it was me. No, that was mine. Well, then we just had a simultaneous (laughs) stomach growl because my stomach just growled at the same time. Wow. Are we like synced up after after 12 years of podcasting together? So if you are getting something removed, it's usually a vascular birthmark. Um, Generally, they don't try and get rid of pigmented birthmarks, although... It's possible, I think, but usually doctors don't treat that. No, but if you uh, if you have a child with, say, a cafe au lait birthmark on their on their face, mm-hmm. the doctor's not going to be like, "No, we're not doing that." They'll they'll probably try to to work it out, but the the results are not nearly as reliable as with vascular birthmarks, which have to do with um, blood vessels beneath the skin clustered together, right? Overdeveloped, that kind of thing. <laughs> or what your doctor might say is. Um, you know what, this thing's on your forehead. Grow your bangs out until you get old enough to where you accept this as like an individual trait that you're proud of. There's a there's something called um, the British Association of Skin Camouflage that is dedicated to helping people, actually training makeup artists mm-hmm. on how to cover birthmarks. Because for some people... They'll just never get used to it. They don't want to have to get used to it. They just mm-hmm. rather cover it up. And that's their right. That's their prerogative. It's yeah. their birthmark. They can do whatever they want with it. And so uh, the average makeup artist doesn't know how to do that. It actually takes special skills, apparently. Mm-hmm. And so there's groups who um, train people oh, interesting. to do that. Yeah. We should do I – don't, I don't know if it's a short stuff or full length, but we should do something on vitiligo. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend in L.A. who, um, who had vitiligo, and – Again, like the same with some of this stuff, it's such a forward-facing thing if it's on your face, and it's a big deal to people. It's an important, um, it's important issue because, like the bullying, like we were talking about, or just kids and adults r- remaining self-conscious about that kind of thing. Right. It's uh, it's sad. It is sad. Agreed. I think we could all uh, do a lot better at accepting people with facial differences. Is what it's called. Yeah. There's we did actually, something on facial differences. I don't remember what it was, but I know I've mentioned this group before, changingfaces.org. Yeah, it's awesome. They're just their their whole thing is like, hey, actually, that's funny. They uh, um are they promote skin camouflage if you want it, mm-hmm. but they're also their big push is like, hey, rest of society, like there's nothing different about these people except for their face. Mm-hmm. Like they're not cognitively challenged. Right. They're not. Uh, they're not disabled in any way or differently able. Like their face is different yeah. for any number of reasons, and 
it's really kind of on the rest of you to get over it. Yeah. You know, which I think is the the healthiest approach, if you ask me. So the superstitions we were talking about, I know we mentioned a couple early on, um, <clears throat> like that you were touched by the devil. Like that was real stuff Yeah. Uh, in some cultures. Uh, in China, there were some quirky ones, like if you have a right foot birthmark, means you're adventurous. If it's on the left foot, it means you're really smart. If it's on your tum-tums, that means you're greedy. And this is just <laughs> sort of... You know, culture and folklore. Sure. And um, the world around. So because we can't explain what birthmarks or where they come from, mm -hmm. all over the world, people, societies have said oh, sure. the mo it's something the mom did while she was pregnant. <laughs> of course. And so we came up with all sorts of dipstick ideas for exactly what the mom did wrong to explain birthmarks. Yeah. One of my favorites is that the mom was startled and touched her face. Oh, so the baby. And at the exact same moment, the baby's blood vessels at that point in the baby's face mm -hmm. formed a birthmark. It's very scientific. <laughs> it is. Or how about this? If you have a strawberry mark as a baby, it's because mom ate too many red things. Yeah. Uh, or Can't lay off the strawberries. <laughs> or port wine stain. They couldn't lay off the wine. Yeah. <laughs> or Ca coffee. Cafe au lait coffee. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, so on the nose. Like, Come on, people. It is. There's this thing called the doctrine of signs where, like, if a food looked like um, a body part, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was associated with helping to heal that body part. Like, beets um, are good for the uh, for the blood or something like that. Or avocados are good for the testicles. Exactly. I was hoping you would bring <laughs> that up. Uh, let me see. What else? Um, in Japan, if um, a, a pregnant woman looked at a fire or into a flame of some kind, mm -hmm. they thought that might cause a burn mark on the baby's skin. Yep. And uh, I think some of these carry forward a little bit, even today. Yeah, well, the x-ray one is obviously fairly modern. Oh, sure. Like, the the explanation is that the mom got an x-ray while she was pregnant, and it it basically left a mark on the baby. Yeah. That is not true. That is not true. No. Um, the one that really has always stuck out to me, and it reminded me of this case I want to tell you about... Um, is this idea that a birthmark is actually a mark left over from a past life. This is pretty neat. Like if you have a birthmark that looks like a bullet hole in your back, mm -hmm. that means you were shot in the back right. in a past life. And not just like that's what that means. Like there are – there are. I really hesitate to use this word. There are documented cases <laughs> of, this, of this happening. Right. Supposedly there was this kid in Syria um, who – was born with like a kind of like a slash like birthmark, I think, on the back of his head. Mm -hmm. And apparently, from a very early age, when the kid like was able to start to talk, started recounting being murdered with an axe. Oh, interesting. And then started talking about the village where he used to live and okay. who is what his name was. And? and then the guy that killed him. And it was enough, allegedly, uh -huh. that the village elders where this kid lived were like, we need to go check this out. So they traveled to that other village. And they said, does so-and-so live here? And they're like, yeah, he lives over there. And it's like, well, did you, did somebody else named this live here once? They're like, yes, he died. He vanished mysteriously. Mm -hmm. And they went and, with talked to the, they went and talked <laughs> to the accuser. And um, he broke down and confessed and showed him where they buried the body that this kid supposedly was in the past life. Wow. Who was murdered by an ex. There's just no way that that happened, but I love <laughs> reading about stuff like that. The the part of me that's like uh, yeah, yeah. that subscribed to that time life books uh -huh. of like paranormal <laughs> phenomena, yeah, still loves stories like that. Yeah, uh, I think 
you lost me uh, when you said village elders. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because, you know. They're the same ones that are like, well, you're a witch too right. because of that, <laughs> exactly. right? Yeah. See if, the, see if she floats. <laughs> right. So uh, what else you got? Any others? Uh, let me see here. Well, we talked about the devil's mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly Anne Boleyn was accused of witchcraftery. Craftery? Supposedly. I saw also that she most decidedly was not. But, oh, really? Yeah, I think that's the legend. All right. Possession by the devil? One, yeah. That could be another one. And one thing that we did know was um, that it definitely did happen historically. It's from the 17th to the 19th centuries, if you were Russian nobility, mm-hmm. you proved it by displaying your birthmark. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, what's the What was the family? The Romanovs? Yeah. Pretty interesting, which actually holds water because they think that some birthmarks may be congenital. It's entirely possible that a family line, especially one that kind of kept to themselves, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Could conceivably <laughs> pass down a, a something like a birthmark. Yeah. And so, uh, unless you, do you have anything else? No, I don't, Chuck. Take I, it away. I think we just should close by really like stressing to any kids listening and parents of children. That vascular birthmarks <laughs> have to do with blood vessels That's under right. the skin. No, just uh, explain to your kids if there's another kid in their class that has, you know, a pretty obvious birthmark. Mm-hmm. That they're just the same, yeah. And don't don't tease kids for that stuff. If you're a kid that's young and listening, mm-hmm. we all look different. We all have different skin tones. Yeah. Just uh, don't be a jerk. No, <laughs> I think that's really great advice. No, I think the golden rule: think about how you might feel if somebody was making fun of something about your body. That's a good one too. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know more about parenting, well, you could just listen to all of our other episodes. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Uh, this is from Ryan and Lucy, the aforementioned band name ref. Uh, they have been to our shows at the Bell House a couple of times, mm-hmm. a few times. Okay. And uh, let me see, where are they from here? Uh, road trips between New York and Providence. Okay. And then they've seen us at the Bell House. And they said, we realize how much we get a kick out of the various band names. And we started to inventory them a few years ago. Uh, since our wedding is next week, we realize that now it's the perfect time um, to just go ahead and send you the list. I'm not sure why that has anything to do with anything. <laughs> right. But Ryan and Lucy, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, Ryan's favorite is Worm Burden. Oh, the, yeah. From the hookworm. Yeah. And Lucy's is Mouth Parts. Yeah. That's from a lot of episodes. That's a great one. But we'll just buzz through these really quickly, just for nostalgia's sake. And aspiring bands, jump in and take these. And give us some money for them. There's some real gold in here. Are we doing all those? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's right. I'll, I'll go through them quickly. Right. A Fistful of Neurons, Warm Burden, Tub of Pulp. I know you want to comment on everyone, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just throw in what you think is really good. I'm just going to sit here like this. Uh, threat Simulation Theory, Poor Fred Noonan. I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, sweet, Give Me the Teat. <laughs> I don't remember that one. It was from Uncanny Valley, but I don't remember saying that was a, a band. No. Or even how it would relate to it. Uh, this is from Movie Crush, uh, Sick Vandalism. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, flesh on the Chunks, Hot Plastic Injection, mm-hmm. Pyrocastic Flow. That's a good one. Sure. Uh, flaming Death, death Bolts, Entos. Yeah. That is a legendary one. Uh, conceptual Walls, Framingham Cohort, Offspring Cohort, Omni Cohort, mm-hmm. Third Generation Cohort, Offspring Spousal Cohort. <laughs> I don't remember any of those. All those were from that heart study. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, oh, that's right. 
a cortical homunculus. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Medieval synthesis, magic bullet. Eh. Uh, I'm want to retract this next one because apparently I said Herbal Douches was a good band name. Mm-hmm. I take that back. Okay. That's terrible. Uh, slaughtered Narwhal. <laughs> uh, Peck Lube. Great. Sex-linked recessive manhole incidents. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, graphic Spew. Gross. Nuclear Bulge. Love it. That is a good one. <laughs> uh, local Group. That's kind of dumb. I uh, don't know. I, I can see yeah. that's kind of like Scrantonicity. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, the Electric Death Commission. I love that one. Yeah. Dr. Foss Bomb Drop. <laughs> what was that one? Michael Dillon. Huh. I don't remember exactly what that referenced. Okay. Uh, Death Master File. Uh, mouth Fart. <laughs> uh, the, of course, the classic frozen poop knife. Yeah. Sloth Moths. Radioactive Cats. That one's dumb. Uh, static Crush. I like that one. Damage Knight. Not bad. The Descriptivists. Eh. That's a little haughty, I think. Sure. But I could be kind of like Mumford and Sonsy kind of music, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh gotcha. <laughs> it sounds too much like Decemberists, I think. Whom that, I love. That is exactly right. Uh, Bathtub Gin. Yeah. Wasted on Excitement. That's okay. an album title, he says, but that's pretty good as a band. Sure. Mother Culture. Jungle X-Ray. Very recent. Uh, Wet Record. The album from Jungle X-Ray. Right, right. Two Whale Bolt from Corduroy and then going postal, which he says is a lot of bands are called that. Yeah. I think you looked that up even, didn't you? I think so. Those are good. We always, always, anytime we talk about great band names from episodes, have to give a shout out, especially when Frozen Poop Knife comes up, to Diarrhea Planet. Well, he had that on the list. I think he didn't quite understand that that is a real band. That is a real band that yeah. <laughs> predates Frozen Poop Knife. I know. I'd like to think that they've been tweeted at over the years. Oh, they've tweeted to us. Oh, that's right. They have, right? They said, um, they said, hey, sorry, we're going to stick with our, oh, our that's name. Right. Thanks for thinking of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In other words, shut up. Maybe. I don't know. I think it depends on how you look at the world. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think that's it, everybody. I don't remember what's going on anymore, but this is the end of the episode. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can go on to stuffyoushouldknow.com if you want. Uh, and you can also send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.